Hi, and welcome to show number 36 of the El Capsita Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. For this week's show, I'll be talking with my guests about racing around the world. But before we start, I'd like to thank all the people who have been tuning in. Special shout outs to Finland, Switzerland, Panama, and a whole lot more. So thank you again for listening in. And like to encourage you to subscribe to the show if you have not already done so, so you get all the updates as soon as they come in. If you'd like to donate to the show, there is no minimum. You could donate even as little as a dollar. Please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could do so. Take a look at the Facebook page for the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write or has an idea for a future show, please send me an email to elcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. Any questions or comments or any suggestions that you might have on how to improve on the show, please also send me an email to that address, which is lcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. For now, please get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy the show. My name is Paul Amos. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the United States. I've lived there for pretty much most of my life. was working at the University of Pennsylvania as a researcher and an adjunct professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And I'd worked there for about 18 years. Towards the end, I was kind of really experiencing a, a a big job burnout. And so I was just one of those people that decided to pack up, sell everything and go find an adventure and live abroad. And okay. so after I sold my house, a couple months later, I moved to Cuenca, Ecuador at the end of 2015. And I've been down in Ecuador now for, for just about five years now. Okay. So Paul, apart from your passion of traveling, I know that you have another passion, which we're going to share with the rest of the audience in a few minutes. But before that, where did your desire to travel come about? I think it came from about, you know, just wanting to see very unique things in the world. Like if I saw a picture of somebody in some very unique location, like an African safari or pyramids in Egypt or something like that, it was just something that I, I really just wanted to travel there rather than see a picture of something because I just wanted to see it for myself more than anything. That's kind of how I got into traveling. And, and I, also, I, I also actually have a degree in geography and I was really, oh. very, inter very interested in maps too. So that also kind of helped with like a worldly perspective that I have. Were you a backpacker? Do you remember one of your first trips that you did? Well, I never really did the, the backpacking thing. You know, I was, I was one of those people that would have loved to have like in my 20s had been backpacking across Europe, but I was a little bit more career focused at the time. And I think that worked out better because I retired earlier and now I'm traveling more than because I have the financial resources to to do to travel better now okay so well just in case we do have a podcast that says you're never too old to stay in a hostel and she's sure. 74 years old and she gives a really good description of what it means to be backpacking at 74 years old and why she does right. it I never tried it and I've just traveled a different way so it's uh you know I've been kind of enjoying the way that I do it <laughs> That's completely fine. And the most important thing is that you're getting out there and traveling. Sure. Yep. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your other passion. Okay. So, um, so first of all, I've, I've kind of been a runner for most of my life. You know, probably about 20 to 25 years ago, I started getting more and more competitive. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can start doing longer races and a 10 mile race. And then I did a half marathon and then I did a full marathon. 
And so it was just, it just kind of started building and building into running. And then um, I had a really bad setback in 2011, where um, I was playing in a softball game and a softball hit off my kneecap and crushed my kneecap. So basically I had to have surgery to repair my knee. Um, When I came out of the surgery, I wasn't allowed to run, but they were having me do a lot of um, exercise, bike work and some, some work in the pool. And so I started actually thinking about like, wow, you know, maybe I could actually do a triathlon. I mean, I used to be a lifeguard so I could swim and biking is just getting on a bike and riding. And, and I had the running thing already down once my uh, leg recovered. So I started getting into triathlons and did my first triathlon in, I think, 2012 or 13. And then that, again, is the same thing. It was like the same pattern where I did one and then I wanted more. So I was like, okay, what's the next longest one that I can do? So I did a, an Olympic distance triathlon first. The training went so well, I was like, well, there's a half Ironman coming up a few months later. I'm awesome. Just signed up for that. And I did that. And then I was like, well, could I, could I really do a full Ironman? Which is, uh, and I'll explain what that here's in a second. Okay. And I just decided to go for it and do it. And so an Ironman race consists of a 2.4 mile swim, then a 112 mile bike ride, and then a, a full marathon run, a 26.2 mile run. So it's, a, it's pretty much a full day. So I had gotten into that and decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it and, and see what happens. So I did my very first Ironman in 2014 in Lake Placid, New York. It took me just a little over 12 hours to complete the whole Ironman race that day. And ever since then, I, I've done one more full Ironman since that time, but, but I've kind of been scaling it back to just doing half Ironman races, which are just half the distance of the full Ironman races. Because they don't require quite as much training and it's not as much pounding on your body. As a, as a full Iron Man. Okay, so at this point, there's some people listening, going, "Okay, why are we talking about Iron Man in sports <laughs> uh, when this is a travel podcast?" I guess what we have to fill people in is that you travel and do your and your races at the same time. Yeah, so there's there's kind of a, a term that uh, the people in like triath- triathlon and the running communities use called ra- racecations, where mm-hmm. you sign up for a race to go to travel somewhere. And you do the race and then you basically are on vacation from there. So whether if there's a, a place you want to see and there's a race that just happens to be happening, uh, you cart your stuff there, you do the race, and then you stick around for another week or two or three, whatever, and, uh, and explore that area. Fun because it gives you an excuse to go, go places. <laughs> okay. So you, you look for the race first. I'm assuming there's a website out there. And then once yeah. you find a race in an area you like, then you do some research on what else there is to do in that area. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, Ironman races are really easy because on Ironman.com, they have the schedule of all their races around the entire world. And so uh, that's an easy brand to find races for. So if you wanted to travel to South Africa, you could look up when they're having the South Africa half Ironman or full Ironman, or, you know, same thing with Australia or even parts of the U.S. obviously as well. And then sometimes there's other races like, so there's a race coming up this summer, which is a, it's a world championship race. And I actually qualified to represent Ecuador in my age group at that race. So this race is actually going to be at the end of August it's in Edmonton, Canada. And so my plan is to fly up to Edmonton, do the, the world championship race, and then spend about uh, the next week or two going down through the Canadian Rockies into like Banff and Jasper National Park before I head back to Ecuador. Okay, what a great way to see the world. What do your friends and family think about this idea of you packing up and moving to 
a country like Ecuador uh, packing <laughs> up and moving away. When I first announced that I was going to do this, I think my parents thought I was absolutely crazy. Um, they had no experience of anything in South America and, and didn't know much about Ecuador. Of course, I had, I had researched it pretty thoroughly uh, before I moved here. And I think it was just a matter of, you know, they, they thought I was just making a really bad decision because I was really at a very peak earning period in my career. But my thought was, was that I was getting a big uh, chunk of change from selling my house and things didn't work out. I could always just go back and get another job and work out for about 15 years. Then I'll be able to access my 401k money. I have a lot more of that money than I do currently right now. So, so that was kind of always my, my back, you know, my backup plan. Most of my friends sort of were like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Why not, you know, go for it. I guess my family just thought it was a little bit crazy at the time. Okay. That happens to a lot of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. On let's going back to your races that you're going on. Do you have a particular story of maybe uh, like a wow moment? Last year was kind of a I, I did one of my longest racecations last year when I went to um, Cartagena, Colombia, did a half Ironman race there. You know, a lot of people had warned me that it was very, very hot there, but I still was like, yeah, I'm just going to go do it. What the heck? But after that, we did some really cool touring around Northern Colombia. We went out to uh, an island off the coast of Cartagena and then flew to a separate island uh, called San Andreas Island. Back in that, we actually did a hike through the jungle, a ruin called the Lost City. So that was really kind of a neat trip. Okay. And do you make kinmanships along the way? Are there other people that each time you go on a race, you see Bob from somewhere or Susie from somewhere? Is there, what is that like? Yeah, I, I think that's more kind of on the, the local level. Like if I do triathlons in Ecuador, and I go down to the, usually a lot of those uh, races, I see a lot of the same people. But if I go to a race in a different country, it's kind of really rare that I would see anybody that I know there just because uh, I don't know if they tra want to travel as much as I do to, to go to a place like Cartagena or somewhere else to do a race. Okay. Okay. Was there a moment where you thought, okay, what am I doing here? Do you have <laughs> one of those moments that you could, you could share with us? Oh, yeah, I, I have plenty of those moments. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, it's, sometimes I get good weather and then sometimes I get really, really bad weather. So actually, my very first Ironman in Lake Placid predicted a storm was going to roll through at about 8 a.m. in the morning. And, and it did. And uh, so I'm actually swimming in this lake. I've got lightning shooting across across the sky. The, it's pouring down rain, and it, which is not a big deal because as you're swimming, you're wet anyway. But then when I get out. Then when I got out and changed and got onto my bike in the pouring down rain, I, you know, I started riding and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is just insane. And then on top of that is with the, the way that Wake Placid is, the, court, the bike course, you kind of ride out of town and then you go down this like eight mile stretch, which is a pretty fast descent down. So, so not only are you driving in a pouring rain, you're going down a hill very fast. <laughs> in a, oh, on a wet oh. road that was a little bit uh, a little bit scary very fortunately the rain cleared out about after about two hours and, th and then the rest of the day was fine and uh, in my very second full Ironman I did in um, Florianapolis Brazil uh, it was kind of the same thing but it, it really rained just about the whole bike ride um, so it's a little bit scary when you're when you're riding on wet roads and any potential for an accident is just not not a lot of fun. Do you think you'll be doing this for quite a while, or is it something that you're doing temporarily and then maybe you'll go on to another type of activity? I hope to be doing it for a while. Been now doing triathlons for about eight years, and 
Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the training because it's not just running all the time. It's not biking all the time. It's just a good mixture of different types of exercises. Things just never get boring to me because I'm always doing something different other than maybe just swimming laps in the pool. But no, I, I, I enjoyed the, the training for the races and I've had some success. So that kind of keeps me coming back is that uh, if I can keep getting better and better, then that's always good, a good thing. Okay. And how do they classify people in these triathlons? Do you, do you do it individually or as a team? How does that work? Well, in, in most cases, triathlons are an, in, it's an individual sport. So yeah, so you're, you do the biking, the running and the swimming and your time counts from the minute you get in the water to the minute you cross the finish line at the end. A lot of races do offer a relay option as well. So you could have one person who's a good swimmer, one person who's a good biker, and then a good runner. But those teams are classified separately than the individuals. And, and then one other thing to point out too is triathlons are designed to be an individual sport. I know like a lot of people, if you've ever seen like cycling races, you got these like big packs of like you know, a hundred riders in a big pack. That's actually illegal in triath- most triathlons because again, it's, you're supposed to be doing this competing individually. You're not going to, you know, have your, your friend ride with you who's a really good rider. And then you just kind of coast off, off the back of uh, his bike and then you don't have to work as hard. So, um, so you can be penalized and disqualified for, for those types of activities in triathlons. Okay. And I, well, I'm assuming you're bringing your bike and whatever other type of equipment with you. And you exactly. Sh- okay. And a lot of times when people travel, we have mishaps with airports and airplanes. Any of those things ever happened to you? For the most part, I've never had problems with like luggage, luggage being missing or anything like that. Very, very fortunately. I have had problems with flight delays, which are always... You know, that's, that, that's probably the most frustrating part of any type of travel when you have a, a flight delay. When I did the uh, race in Florianapolis, Brazil, our flight out of Lima to Sao Paulo, we, we just sat on the tarmac for, it seemed like two hours. So when we got to Sao Paulo, we missed our connecting flight. And, and very fortunately, there was like six other people on doing the race because we all had our bikes. It was very easy to tell who was going to the race. And they rescheduled us on flights, but the flights... We're in a different airport in Sao Paulo. So you've got like six guys racing around with their bikes trying to get to this other airport to make the flight to, uh, down to Florianapolis that night. You know, flight delays are always one of the biggest challenges. I don't like to talk a lot about the pandemic, but how is mm-hmm. that affecting the schedules for this type of travel? Most of the races in the past year, triathlons, even like major races like the Boston Marathon, New York Marathon, uh, most of them uh, were canceled or have went into these, uh, they're doing like virtual races now. So you can sign up for a virtual race and go out and, and do all your activities on your own and just re- and record your times on your GPS watch and then submit your time to a virtual race. Um, some of the, yeah, so that that's kind of what a lot of the race directors have switched to in the time of this pandemic. There are some races that are starting back up again. They did have half Ironman race. Um, but then I just heard today that there was a, another Ironman race in Texas that just got canceled because of COVID. So a- everything is so up in the air right now. It's uh, Even in Ecuador alone, there was supposed to be the very first triathlon of the year was set for November 28th in Manta, and they just canceled that. Things kind of in limbo now. I'm still not even sure if this world championship is going to occur next August, but I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be, that it will continue as scheduled. We'll hope so also for you. Yeah. 
Do these triathlons work with any community programs? Are they connected to any sort of organizations? I don't know, community projects in the different areas that they're doing their triathlons? Usually most most of the races are very tied into the communities somehow. And And for example, the Ironman race that they have here in Ecuador, in Manta, Ecuador, about, well, it's my first year down here. We, there was a very large earthquake right off the coast of, of Manta and destroyed a lot of buildings and really kind of wreaked some havoc on the coastal community there. And the Ironman Foundation took up collections for the local Manta community. And they try to be integrated in the communities where their races uh, occur. So they, they raise quite a lot of money for the people in Manta to uh, recover, help recover from the earthquake that happened off the coast. Okay, so it's definitely a way to also give back to different communities. Oh, sure. Yep. Other than doing half Ironman, the Ironman, are you doing any other type of travel? What other type of travel passions you? I kind of do like adventure travel. So, you know, living in South America, done things like I've, I've gone down to Machu Picchu and I hiked the Inca Trail for a three-day hike, been down to Patagonia, out to Easter Island. And like, like I said, that hike we did in northern Colombia to the Lost City was, was pretty neat. I'm looking at uh, hopefully maybe going over to uh, Egypt and Jordan sometime in 2021. And then the other trip that I have would be up through the Canadian Rockies and Banff when I go up to the triathlon in Edmonton. And so, okay. um, what are some of the things that you could say that you have learned from this experience that you'd like to share with others? I would say, don't, don't be afraid to, to, to do something that puts you out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I never thought that I would be able to do a full Ironman. Now I've done two of them, <laughs> but yes, uh, I think you can be rewarded when you take chances and even like chances like traveling, going somewhere where you might not speak the language or something like that, but you could, you could really be rewarded with a very great and unique experience that you will probably never forget and have a great story to tell all your family and friends. Okay. So thank you, Paul. Thank you for taking the time to talking with me. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And (laughs) good luck. Good luck on your next race. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tony. Bye. Thank you for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get a hold of Paul, his contact information could be found in our podcast notes. Also in the podcast notes is the information on how you could donate to the show. There is no minimum. You could donate as little as a dollar. All donations will be appreciated. Take a look at our Facebook page to see the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write or have an idea for a future show, please send me an email to talks at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, Anything at all on how I could approve the show, please send me an email to that same address, which is elcafcitotraveltalks at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe so you get all the updates as soon as the shows come in. As always, I look forward to seeing you here in the El Cafecito in Cuenca, either in the hostel, on our rooftop, or in the restaurant on the plaza. If you're in Quito, please stop by our sister location. For now, please take care, stay safe, all the best, until the next time.